going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Welcome to the relaunch of the Calgary Today podcast. On today's show, the wheels on the Calgary 2026 Olympic bid bus seem to have stopped going round and round. We'll talk about that. We'll also dive into the province's proposed legislation surrounding post-secondary tuition. The Chamber of Commerce weighs in on business taxes and relief in light of high downtown vacancy rates. And we lighten things up by heading to Airdrie, where one school is doing its best to help Calgary's Veterans Food Bank. Greetings and salutations, my friends. Happy Monday. Hope the weekend was spectacular for you and yours. Man, today sure shifted things around a lot, didn't it? Obviously talking Olympics and what is happening with that Olympic bid. And here's the question that I'm going to raise right off the bat. What now? Give it some thought. The reason I say that, and it's kind of interesting how everything sort of panned out, but back on Friday, I penned a little commentary on 770CHQR.ca. If you follow me on Twitter, at Calgary Today, you can also uh, check back in on that as I linked it not that long ago. But it was all about, have we turned into a can't-do city? And a lot of people weighed in, and obviously a lot of people read it for the headline, and that was about it. But if you read it right to the very end, you would have gotten all the context you needed. Why? Because believe it or not, I wasn't actually behind this particular Winter Olympics bid. Why, you ask, is the process to that point on Friday when I wrote that blog is that it had been flawed in a lot of different ways and something just didn't feel right. It's not that I didn't support the bid because I I really wanted to, actually. I wanted to support the games because I wanted this city to finally get behind something. I wanted the city to rally behind each other again like we did in 2013. And I get it. Economic situations have changed and all that. So it's hard for me to celebrate what is happening here, which seems as though the wheels on the bus are falling off. Because a part of me is disappointed that we went through this whole process only to have it blow up in our faces. As some have rightly pointed out, we're potentially throwing some money away because of some of the flub-ups during the process. So I go back to my original question. What now? What will you get behind? Just a quick... Here's what I'm thinking anyways. We need a quick reality check here. Everybody on all sides needs to let the reality set in that we're not in great times in this province. That we're still growing. There's still growth here. It's just not what we were used to. So let's take that into consideration and let's get our finances squared up or our spending in order or whatever we need to do. But also let's not allow that to get in the way of some of the growth that we need to have in this city because frankly, we are still growing as a city. We need to get something moving. It's not good enough to just sit back, sit in this mud and say, hey, we're stuck here and we're going to stay here until we get other governments in power or whatever the case might be. Maybe it's a matter of putting together an economic stimulus package of sorts like the Harper government did. 
all in all, we, whether it's it's getting our spending in order, but getting it in an order in which we're moving forward, it's a little bit of both, I think. Because so many people in this city claim we're a progressive city, yet we stand in the way of any kind of progress. And that doesn't even, it's not even just the naysayers at the end of the day. Sometimes it's those who are force feeding the change down everyone else's throats that are actually getting in the way of that progress. What does this all amount to? We all need to compromise a little bit. We all need to start listening to each other and start taking each other seriously and start talking about what is going to help our city become as great as we think it can be. Because we got to stop getting in the way of schools. We got to stop getting in the way of transit. We need to stop getting in the way of things that we actually need in this city. We've talked at length about how we we've we can spend the money on better things when it comes to the Olympics. Okay, now that we're actually, it looks like there's some movement towards, hey, this might be dead in the water. Even if it's not, let's have that really thorough discussion about it. Part of me is getting really, really sick and tired of hearing how great we are. And yet we're not doing anything to actually make good on our words. We're walking, we're not... Uh, we're talking the talk, but we're not walking the walk. As you've heard, Rob, I think, rightly pointed out, this has turned into a gong show. The Winter Olympic bid, whatever's going to happen over the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours, lot to be decided. We're going to bring in Erin Waite from uh, No Calgary to talk more about what she's hearing. And Erin, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi there, thanks for having me. So your reaction, I guess, first and foremost to hearing what's been happening over the last, I don't know, 12 hours or even over the weekend, it's been, uh, it's been a roller coaster ride, I guess. It sure has, and I think, uh, you know, there's been problems all along the way, and probably our biggest concern has been a lack of clear and full information, and so we seem to be at a point where there is no recovery. At this point... Do we need as as a city to maybe take a step back and go, here's what our priorities are and follow through with them in one way, shape or form? Because it feels like we've sort of lost our direction. I would say that's bang on. We've actually had some great conversations with people uh, talking about what is important to Calgary and what our priorities are. I do worry that taking on a big project is is easy to say no to or have you know, have problems with. And so we need to find a way to take on big ideas and big projects and and bring everybody with the project, involve everybody from the outset, and then maybe we'll do some really good things for our city. As I said right off the hop, I find myself, as much as I was not against this particular bid, I was struggling with the idea of celebrating, quote-unquote, the the demise or what might become the demise of this bid simply because I wanted to dream big. I wanted to support this thing. Where did everything go wrong? Like, why is it that we had groups like No Calgary even in the in the discussion to begin with, in a sense, as weird as that sounds? I think there were lots of different reasons. For me personally, it was just that I thought we could do better than the IOC as a partner. Uh, other people really were concerned about the costs. And, of course, there's lots of information about why being a host city isn't a great thing, even if you are a big fan of the Olympics and, and sport. So, uh, you know, we do have to work through what you know how to pursue a big idea and and i am not celebrating the demise of this if if that's truly what happens but i but i certainly have enjoyed 
having great conversations with people about what is important to everyone, and I think that's something we can build on from here. Should we be thinking, let's say, uh, four years, let's say 2030, let's say somebody says Olympics 2030, the Olympic, the IOC cleans things up, we get everybody on board. Do you, do you think there, there might be an appetite if it's done differently? I absolutely do. And for me, the key again is that IOC reform process and maybe us sending the signal to the IOC that, that their host city scenario is not appealing to cities and they actually go through a more thorough reform, maybe that can be the legacy of this decision and maybe we'll actually resurrect the entire Olympic movement and maybe we'll be known for that, which would be a terrific thing. When you were out talking to people, were they just against this process or were they against the Olympics period? Yeah, we ran into lots of different reactions and lots of different reasons for having concerns. And maybe that's not surprising with such a a big project and an organization that's been around as long as the IOC has. And so uh, that's something to take into consideration. I I do think if it had been a different, a similar project, but, you know, whether it was the Invictus Games or something like that, that might have been more palatable to people. But... We also just have to look at what's important to our city and look at our real financial health and and go forward based on reality. Is it wrong to think that some people were standing in the way just because they didn't want to see the city progress because they think that progress means more taxes or that kind of thing? You know, the very first letter I wrote to city councillors way back in the spring was to say, I am not against change or progress, and I'm, I go along with increasing density and all kinds of progressive moves for our city. I'm not afraid of it at all. And, and so it was never about uh, being against uh, a big project or having any doubts that Calgary could host the Olympics. I always knew we had the capability. I just never believed this was the right project now. How important or how much do you think this could turn into, as weird as it sounds, almost a positive in that maybe we'll learn to compromise a little bit. Maybe we'll learn to have everybody at the table instead of, uh, I use social media as as the, the scapegoat, but I know we do this just in general as we tend to talk in our own echo chambers in a sense. And it might be time that everybody take that deep step back and go, let's all talk civilly and have a discussion that is for the better of the community? I have to say that early in this process, we were warned that we were going to take a lot of abuse and really be beaten up on social media. And we've had excellent quality conversations. And maybe because it is a citywide discussion and a a bigger project, it seemed to cross political lines. It seemed to bring about, uh, you know, unusual suspects or bring about different people to the table. And so that was interesting to me, and I enjoyed those conversations, and I talked to people I otherwise normally wouldn't encounter or, or be with, and I, it, that was terrific. So I do think we have to really look at how we do community consultation and that there is an opportunity to end up at a yes I think it's tough, and I think we've seen a lot of saying no to big projects, and, and that's concerning. Mm-hmm. But but I think there's room here to rethink how we do community consultation and, and end up at a yes far more often than we end up at no. I hope so, too. Aaron Wade from No Calgary, uh, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. 
Yes, there's a, a little bit of a, a gander into some of the thought processes, and I and I have a hard time arguing with her points, to be honest. I mean, this is, like I said, it's this isn't something that I think we should be celebrating at all, to be brutally honest. I think that this really needs a deep, deep, deep breath. And at some point down the line, we need to realize that progress for the sake of progress isn't necessarily the best thing. Change just for the sake of change isn't the best thing. But sitting there like a stick in the mud and not doing anything isn't the way to do things either. And so everybody's got to come to the table and everybody's got to uh, learn to compromise, learn to communicate a little bit more. Because I, I got the feeling that there was a lot of echo chamber going on here. And it became really polarized. And that bothers me a little bit in a city that I think we are a better city than that. Good text here. Wow, can anything get done in this city, province, country? Sadly, I love the Olympics, and it could have been wonderful, but these clowns downtown can't be trusted as far as you can throw them. You're right, we need something to rally around, but God forbid it's another flood. Let it be something great. I couldn't agree. That texter did go on to say maybe overthrowing our mayor is something we can rally around. I don't think that that's the answer, to be honest. I think that we need to have counselors stepping in and, and voicing their concerns and their thoughts. And it was interesting over the weekend seeing Jody Gondek actually go after the mayor on Twitter saying she had to learn about this uh, letter through the media. It's not necessarily the best way of communicating with your counsel. Let's go to the phone lines. Derek, uh, what do you think is going to make Calgary great? Good afternoon. Um, I'm one of those people that I would consider myself an average average Calgarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sort of on both sides of this. I'm on the yes yes side because um, because investment in infrastructure, investment in making your city great, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, does not always come from private investment. It very often, if you look at history of, of recessions and depressions, whatnot, they very often come from, uh, unfortunately, wars and big events and things that the governments have to take out uh, have to take out lending on the uh, on the people's dime when it comes to. Um, having said that, I'm on the no side. I think permanently because um, because of the handling of this at city hall level it has been absolutely atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that uh, whether it's whether it's the the mayor crying out foul on this issue or that issue or or whatever Ottawa is not providing or how little Alberta is providing, um, the games that they're playing are just too much. And it tells me that this that if we go ahead. This big expenditure, as much as I am in favor in theory, um, is going to be botched down the line. I don't trust it when it comes to how they're going to handle the whole thing based on how they're handling just so much as a bid. Like your thoughts there, Derek. Thanks so much for that. Let's head on over to Bill. Bill, uh, what do you think is it's going to take to make Calgary think, hey, we can do something, anything? Well, I think the public consultation process is totally broken, and that's the reason why we can't tackle big projects right now. There's, abs- I, I recognize that development is based on principles of utilitarianism, greatest good for greatest number, but this council just bowls through, and I live in the South, so I was witness to BRT and how they push that through without any consultation process. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when they're going to act that way, they don't have any support of mine on any big project. 
Good call, Bill. Thanks so much for that. Here's the other thing that I, I, as Derek was talking, that made me think a little bit is, why do we cry foul at very first glance of things? Like, this is unacceptable. We can't take that. Remind me of the arena debate, right? Like, the the Flames came up with Calgary next, and the mayor said, this is a non-deal. This is no starter. And there was no negotiations. It was just like, hey, that's that's not acceptable to us. Maybe we need to take a moment, soak it all in, and then think back in a responsible manner instead of having egos clashing at every possible turn. And to Bill's point about public consultation, that might solve a lot of the issues instead of feeling like you're being railroaded all the time. Ease things through, maybe. Just a bizarre day. Again, mixed feelings over what's happening with this Olympic bid as we watch it sort of unravel at the seams. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. An interesting nugget coming across the desk. Obviously, today is day one for the legislature sitting once again. Government House Leader Brian Mason saying 12 bills are to be introduced during the six-week fall sitting. And one of those is being introduced today. And to learn more about said piece of legislation, we bring in Advanced Education Minister Marlon Schmidt. Uh, Minister, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, Good afternoon. Good to be with you. Uh, Just a little while ago, about an hour ago, you sat before reporters at the legislature to talk about an act to improve the affordability and accessibility of post-secondary education. What is this one all about? So this uh, piece of legislation ensures affordability uh, for tuition for students here in Alberta, uh, both domestic and international students. And what does what kinds of guarantees are in place? I know there's been some talk about uh, freezing tuition again, that kind of thing. Yes. So we committed to extending the tuition freeze to a fifth and final year. Uh, And then after the tuition freeze is lifted, uh, tuition is limited to increase uh, according to the consumer price index. Uh, So tuition can't exceed the increase in uh, the consumer price index uh, at universities and colleges in Alberta for domestic students. Why make these changes? Uh, Well, for a long time, uh, students Uh, would start out a university or college program and be subject to uh, surprise uh, hikes in their tuition. Uh, And uh, that created a lot of financial stress for students. Uh, Students would have to drop out because they weren't able to uh, afford to continue with their studies. And we wanted to provide students with a reasonable guarantee that they would be able to afford to stay in school through the duration of their studies. And that's what we've put forward in this legislation today. What have the the institutions had to say? Because I assume you've done some consultation with them. And and I know they've talked uh, long and hard about funding shortfalls and that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, certainly uh, our institutions, as well as our government, uh, want what's best for students. And I'm very pleased with the... uh, uh, input that we've received from them on this legislation and uh, you know very pleased that we're all committed to making sure that we can provide a high quality education that's affordable for every student in in the province there are some powers as well i understand that the ministry will have uh, with this with this uh, legislation uh, so the, the legislation grants the minister the ability to set apprenticeship uh, tuition fees and and that's the only 
power that's shifting to the ministry uh, through this legislation. The one line I was uh, referring to, I guess, uh, for the first time in Alberta's history, the minister would be able to regulate tuition and mandatory non-instructional fees. Uh, what is that one all about here? Yes, yeah, so mandatory non-instructional fees uh, had a significant uh, problem around uh, transparency for students uh, and as well were thrust upon students without their consultation. So we've changed the, re- the regulations around that so that uh, students will uh, clearly understand the, where the money proposed to be collected through a fee will be spent uh, and as well uh, be able to have a say over whether or not those fees are imposed on them. So it gives students a very significant voice in the co- in determining the cost of their education and it also provides students with a significant amount of transparency about where their fees are being spent. A couple of other side notes on this one. Uh, Alberta College of Art and Design transitioning to a university, of all things. Uh, Why make that change? Well, Alberta College of Art and Design has been granting uh, both undergraduate and graduate degrees for quite some time. And uh, we're just recognizing uh, the fact that they uh, are in practice a university with uh, giving them the name to recognize that. When it comes to, to back to tuition here, when with all these new rules, what is the affect, I guess, on, on students in terms of what dollar, can you put a dollar figure to it or is it, does it depend mainly on what institution? Uh, so on average, uh, an undergraduate student at any university in Alberta will uh, save approximately $2,000 over the course of their studies. Uh, and in comparison uh, to other jurisdictions in the country, uh, we are now among uh, the most affordable university and colleges I- I- in the entire country as a result of uh, five years of tuition freeze here in Alberta and uh, these affordability protections that we've introduced in the legislation today. Advanced Education Minister Marlon Schmidt, our guest, uh, outlining the, the latest on what one of the 10 bills, I believe, that, uh, min- or that Minister Brian Mason pointed out earlier today as day one began of the uh, sitting of the legislature. This one, an act to improve the affordability and accessibility of post-secondary education. Minister Schmidt, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, so good to join you this afternoon. So that's the latest on, on that particular item. And as one uh, texter rightly points out, it's interesting the timing given there might be an election around the corner. Maybe a little nugget for those who uh, students who would typically maybe vote in a certain direction. I'm not going to throw that out there, but it's certainly something, as anybody who has gone through post-secondary over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, the costs were only ballooning. They were only getting more and more. So I don't know why it's such a bad thing to maybe put some of the costs under control a little bit. So now you have the latest on that particular announcement made earlier today by education, uh, Advanced Education Minister Marlon Schmidt. Certainly something we'll be talking a lot more about over the coming weeks for certain. This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Zoe Addington of the Calgary Chamber of Commerce. She is the Director of Policy and Government Relations. And a lot of talk today, Zoe, about uh, downtown vacancies and offices and tax relief for uh, for out-of-the-core businesses. Uh, Zoe, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. What do you take away from this news that the tax relief program the city has is going to balloon to $89 million in need this year, which is more than the last two years combined? I think this 
really highlights what we've been uh, saying now for a couple of years that this is a really this is a long term problem. I think, um, as you mentioned, the city sort of identified this as a or, or the, the chamber actually identified this as a challenge for small businesses in, in terms of the increasing uh, non residential uh, tax rate two years ago, and, and the city was um, took our recommendation in terms of identifying and creating a. Uh, rebate program to help the small businesses deal with this increase in tax rate. But we've been saying now for, for three years that this is a long-term problem. It's not going to go away. Um, the problem is a, is a result of the vacancy rate in downtown. So uh, as we've had job losses in the city, we've seen um, our downtown office space kind of emptying out. So the, we've got empty offices, off, empty offices downtown. And as the buildings are empty, they're worth less. And so the way the city does their um, uh, property tax assessments uh, each year, it's, it's based on on what a building is worth. So if we see if we see a building is a bit empty, the value is less, and it's going to bring in less uh, property tax revenue for the city. So what they have done is is the way the city does their um, property taxes. They call it a revenue neutral process. They decide how much revenue they need to bring in. They look at what the assessed value is across the city. And then they set a tax rate to bring in that money. So as we've seen that value drop downtown, uh, the city still needs to bring in the same amount of money. So the tax rate goes up on the rest of the city. So uh, we've been, you know, we have identified this as a problem. We highlighted that it was going to be a multi-year problem. And like I said, we're grateful for the city for the rebate program. But it's it's really just a stop stopgap. E- each year we've said great, but you know what do we do next year? And and I think everybody in the city knows we're not going to fill up that office space. In one year or two years, this is going to go on for a while, and so I think we now find ourselves in year three, um, and uh, the city having done this rebate program for two years at, uh, like you mentioned, forty-five dollars, uh, forty to forty-five dollars a year. This year it would be eighty-nine million dollars. So um, I think we've uh, we've kind of reached that that point where we've kind of identified the you know, the need for a long-term solution. Speaking of that long-term solution, is there a better way already in your eyes that could help alleviate the, the especially the downtown vacancy problem? I think we've what we've tried to do is look at options in terms of alleviating the tax, sort of transferring that tax burden onto the rest of the business community. And I think there's a couple of different options, and I think any one of them would work or perhaps a combination of them. So the first one being reducing the budget. The city, as I mentioned, the, the city does have control over their budget and they set a tax rate um, to bring in the revenue that they need, but they do have control over it. So if the budget was less, then you know we don't see anyone's uh, taxes going up. So I think that's the first thing we'd look at. And, and one of the other options we've talked about is looking at that non-residential to residential tax rate ratio. So what that means is is the percentage of uh, comparing how much a non-resident, non-residential property or business property pays compared to a residential, and and the city's putting that ratio uh, for next year at three and uh, three point nine to one. So it's almost a four to one ratio of what a business would pay in tax compared to residents, and we that's actually one of the uh, it's the highest rate uh, among comparable cities in Alberta. And it's one of the highest rates across the country. So I think what we've said is maybe it's time to look at that ratio and, and see if maybe some of that, um, tax burden shouldn't be more, shouldn't be spread across, uh, maybe residential properties as well. Uh, in our city, we have close to 14,000 non-residential properties and, uh, over close to 500,000 residential. And, and we think that, 
uh, that that burden could be spread a little bit more evenly. Um, I think you can look at that rebate program. We appreciate that. Yeah, this year would be eighty nine million dollars, which would be a lot, uh, a lot to ask. Um, and I think there's often, you know, also we could look at look at how the system actually works in terms of how property assessments are done. When budget deliberations do begin next month, what should council be keeping in mind for businesses and vice versa in terms of what should businesses maybe be getting ready for in your eyes? Well, I think what's what's important to highlight is looking at the the sort of context around this and when this is coming. So we still see businesses really struggling, you know, with an economic downturn. They're struggling, you know, having these increases in property taxes. And we are seeing property tax for the businesses go up even before this uh, kind of vacancy rate issue or this transfer of of tax burden from downtown. Their rates were already going up each year. So, uh, you know, and on top of that, we're seeing things, you know, coming from the province minimum wage increases in other labor legislation. We've seen increase in corporate taxes, you know, provincial and federal levels, you know, things like carbon taxes. So I think what we're seeing is that this is coming at a time when businesses are already struggling. And I think we need a long-term solution. This isn't going to go away. Even if we come up with a solution for this year, it's still going to be there next year. Definitely a lot to keep in mind as council heads into budget deliberations and, of course, business community watching very closely on that front. Zoe Addington from the Calgary Chamber of Commerce, thanks so much for the time today. Great. Thank you very much for having me on. Last week on Friday, I had a great opportunity to go visit a school in Airdrie. And full disclosure, that school is where my fiancé works at, but I, I was there to volunteer but it's also there to chat about a great new thing that they're doing after hearing about some help needed by our veterans. And it was enlightening to be able to chat with kids because it's always lovely to be able to see the world through their eyes. Should I put it that way? Great little discussion had with a few people and wanted to highlight it here. A pile of food grows every day in one of the hallways at Cooper's Crossing School in Airdrie. It all started with teachers Carrie Stockwood and Aaron Palmer and their students in 3PS. After hearing the struggles of the Veterans Food Bank in Calgary, Stockwood says they wanted to help in any way they could. We had issued a challenge to the school to kind of go along with Remembrance Day, the 11-11-11 thing. So we kind of thought, well, let's raise 1,111 kilograms of food in 11 days. Not only is it identifying a need in the community, but it's also a teachable moment for the students. But the kids have really gotten on board, and we are really excited. We track the weight here at the school, and the kids are doing the counting, so it's curriculum-related, too. Grade 3 is numbers to 1,000, so the kids get to do the counting and the weighing and get really involved. And kids like Julia, Myla, and Connor have all bought in. We're going to bring it to the Veterans Food Bank so we can give soldiers and their families food so that the veterans can have food for their life because they've lost their houses and their food. Because some people don't have enough money to go to the store and get stuff like we do, so we have to give some to them because we want more people in the world. Because they helped us and we should help them because they spread peace across the world. According to Stockwood, a nearby grocery store has agreed to help with the project, and the Veterans Food Bank was obviously enthused by the gesture. She offered to send veterans out here to um, help us pack, to help us count, to come and pick it up. 
she asked if we were doing a volunteer tea and she said she could send veterans out here to help do the dishes. She asked if we were having a dance and we wanted chaperones. Oh, they've been so wonderful, so, so willing to help us help them. It's been fantastic. It's something to bring the school and the community together. We have character buddies here at the school to build connections amongst the students as well. Um, so we are buddied with kindergarten classes, each of our grade three classes. So we're going to involve the kindergartens uh, more hands-on in this project maybe than the other classes are just bringing food and participating that way. The kindergartens that are buddies will come and help us count food and help us carry food outside and do those kinds of things just to show that gratitude and action for the community. Cooper's Crossing School in Airdrie, one of many examples of great things being done by great people all across southern Alberta. If you know of one of those great stories, I'd love to do something motivational Monday, maybe we'll call it something along those lines. If you know one of those great stories, make sure to reach out to me on Twitter at Calgary Today, or you can email me at joe.mcfarland at chorusent.com. Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to rate the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.